I'm James Langton for The National, and you're listening to Recorded. Fossilised footprints uncovered in the Saudi Arabian desert date back 120,000 years, making them the oldest evidence of humans in Arabia. Richard Clark Wilson of Royal Holloway University of London is co-author of the official report on their discovery, and I asked him why they were there, what makes them so important to the story of humankind. So let's start off by uh, you telling us what you found and, and why it's important, what its significance is. Um, so we found uh, some fossilised footprints. So these are f- footprints of humans, most likely our species Homo sapiens. And we also found elephant footprints. And we also found um, horse footprints among some other animals. And um, we've dated them to about 120,000 years old. So it's that's a time period that we call the last interglacial. So it's quite an important time period for our species um, since we know that our species expanded beyond Africa during this period, uh, we have evidence for our species uh, in a place called the, in the Levant, so in Israel. And our research is important because it shows, one, that humans were also able to disperse kind of southwards into what would be a significantly different climate relative to the Levant. And it also footprints are really unique in terms of they provide really high resolution data. So we know that kind of the human footprints, uh, the animal footprints were probably laid down in a short window of time, perhaps a couple of hours or a couple of days. And this really allows us to look at kind of the way that humans and animals interacted in the landscape. So the place where you found the footprints was, a, was I think, quite a remote part of Saudi Arabia, what is now desert. But of course, at the time, it wasn't like that. Can you paint a picture of what the landscape would have looked like 120,000 years ago? So I guess like a savannah-like grassland. So if you imagine, I'm trying to think of the best modern day example, you would kind of have, so if you imagine a desert today, you would have lake bodies in the kind of interstream depressions or these water bodies. You would also have grasslands. So you'd have what we call biomass that would provide resources for kind of grazing herbivores such as elephants. and we also know that you had species like hippos and things like that around in the Nefud Desert at that time. So you can kind of imagine a landscape where you have grasslands, you have water bodies, you have a variety of different animals that aren't present there today. So you have hippos and elephants and things like that. I guess you knew this was a lake bed or had been a lake bed at some point and, and you were looking for footprints. So in the desert, the kind of lake sediments are much harder or more resistant to erosion than the surrounding um, sands. So you find that you get these lake sediments preserved as almost plateaus in the landscape. And um, so they're quite easy to find, I guess, once you're in the desert. And um, part of the research is kind of archaeological excavations. So we're looking to find evidence for things like stone tools, fossils. And in this case, it's the first time that we found evidence for footprints um, embedded within the lake. So I think it was quite a surprise, to be honest, when we found them. I've seen pictures of the footprints and once you know it's a footprint you can tell it's a footprint but it's maybe not immediately apparent to a layman how do you know that it's a human footprint when we first got to the site I think we found the elephant footprints pretty quickly because you know they're pretty big they're obvious and so immediately we recognized that we had footprints of some variety at the site and I remember kind of a discussion going on at the site thinking oh there might be some footprints that kind of looks like a human footprint. And then basically what happened was 
um, a few of my colleagues, so uh, my co-lead author, Matthew Stewart, analyse these footprints. They take kind of high-resolution photographs and they also map the footprints and then they can build this 3D model of the footprints within the sediments. And you can kind of see, once you see the picture, you kind of the outline of the footprints becomes obvious. So I don't know whether you've seen a picture of like the uh, t- uh, topographic map of the footprints as well. How then do you date them to 120,000 years old? That's where you come in, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. so that's uh, part of my expertise. So if you imagine that the footprints are preserved on the surface of, um, of the surface of the lake, They've been exposed via erosions. There's also another unit that lies above it um, that is present on the lake bed slightly further away. And what we do is we take samples from beneath the footprint, from the sediment unit beneath the footprint and the sediment unit above the footprint. And we use a technique that's called luminescence dating to find out the age. Um, So luminescence dating is a technique where we date sand grains. So if you imagine each sand grain is like a clock, and when it's on the surface of the landscape, its signal is zero. But as soon as it's buried, it measures the time elapsed since uh, it was last exposed to sunlight. So um, if that makes sense. So it kind of takes in radiation from the surrounding landscape. It builds that energy up. And then we sample it, take it back to the lab, and we can determine the age of the lake bed from that. So it's really quite precise. There's always uncertainties surrounding dating techniques or dating methods. So um, any age that you see reported will always come with an uncertainty term. So what we're able to do is, fortunately in this situation, because we've taken sediment from below and above the footprints, we can bracket the age of the footprints. There's still an uncertainty on the age of approximately, say, 10,000 years. Um, So, for example, it one of the, the age maybe 120,000 years plus or minus 10,000 years. So it's kind of, we can estimate the age, but there's still an uncertainty associated with it. Why were they crossing what is now Saudi Arabia? Where were they coming from and where were they trying to get to? I suppose that humans, perhaps prehistoric humans, would be attracted to kind of resources in the landscapes. They'll be attracted to fresh water, um, so fresh water that they could drink, and they would also be attracted to their prey. And they're likely to follow movements of their prey and also these water resources. So as soon as the landscape, say, opened up, so in the past they wouldn't normally be there because it would be a desert, but during these what we call green phases, they would track these fresh water resources. So you may have rivers and lakes that activate the landscape and humans would follow these fresh water resources. I guess as to where they were going, it's really hard to tell. It's hard to tell whether they managed to expand further on Um, They may have expanded across the Arabian interior further into Asia, or they may have gone um, extinct. But we are learning more and more uh, and pushing back the the age at which uh, humans, uh, Homo sapiens, came out of Africa. It was previously thought, uh, even a few years ago, it was thought to have been much more recent. And uh, now we know it's, with with your research, it's 120,000 years. Where are we on that? When now do we think this migration began? There's actually research from um, Israel, from a place called Mislaya Cave, I think I probably pronounced that incorrectly, that dates to about 200,000 years ago. And there's also evidence um, from uh, Apodema in Greece um, of humans kind of expanding beyond Africa, so possibly our species expanding beyond Africa, or certainly fossils that have affinities with Homo sapiens, expanding beyond Africa almost 200,000 years ago. 
And then this research fits in. So it's the some of the earliest evidence for Homo sapiens on the Arabian Peninsula. And it's probable that these dispersals from Africa tie in with these green phases. So we know that a green phase occurred roughly 200,000 years ago as well. We know that a green phase occurred kind of roughly 120,000 years ago. And it's likely that human populations were able to expand beyond Africa um, into kind of northern Arabia, into Israel, into southern Europe, into southern Europe. so Greece is where Apodema is. Um, but then it's not clear what happens to those populations. So it's not clear if those populations go extinct and or whether there's some kind of legacy into modern day populations. I'm not sure. I think it's probably unlikely because most of the evidence would suggest that kind of the main migration, I think, occurred approximately 60 to 70,000 years or the main successful uh, migration occurred slightly later than our than our dates find. So these were the first steps. And I'm guessing that the Arabian Peninsula would have been a very clear pathway out of Africa uh, and into Europe, Asia, uh, and all points east and west. Yeah, so it's kind of an understudied region, but it's a really important region in that it lies adjacent to Africa. And the only kind of the only land bridge between Africa and Asia is uh, it's called the Sinai Peninsula. So it's um, I think it's part of Egypt. And so once humans crossed that land bridge they kind of may have either gone northwards up through what is modern day Israel or they what we're now showing is that they were also able to move into the Arabian Peninsula. That was Richard Clark Wilson explaining the discovery of the oldest known human footprints found in Arabia. Thank you for listening to Recorded. To subscribe to Recorded you can head to the podcast section of thenational.ae or click the subscribe button on your favourite podcasting app. This podcast was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. I've been your host. James Langton.